candy-colored clown they call the Sandman Tiptoes to my room every night Just to sprinkle stardust and to whisper Go to sleep, everything is all right I close my eyes Then I drift away Disconnect it in order to get my iPad connected, or we're just going to suffer through and see how this works on the computer. We're just going to suffer through. See how it goes. Okay, uh, so Paul Phelps, 1963. We've got a full through of agents this evening. Uh, we will have everybody introduce themselves, tell us who their agent is, uh, and tell us what they're drinking. So we'll start with Lord Jesse. Uh, my character's name is Jack Cooper. He is a uh, activist, sometimes translator, um, in in Vietnam. Uh, he has a beautiful Vietnamese wife and two kids. Uh, but he is is a former American uh, grunt, and um, he's uh doing what he can to, to help out the, the Buddhist community and save them from whatever the fuck is going on. What is Lord Jesse drinking tonight? I am drinking my standard Coke Zero. Good man. Uh, not, not the new improved Coke Zero, though. I just want to be clear. Oh, there's a new okay. improved one? There's, there is a new one that there says is a new one. more delicious. I tried it it is slightly more delicious. But I, I... <laughs> yeah, it was really, it was lying. really annoying. It was really annoying that that it was in fact more delicious. But well, they um, just leave Coke Zero alone. I mean, it, if they can make it better, why not? I guess. You know, so I've been good. down this route. You know what's pretty good? Pepsi Zero we're... Sugar. I haven't tried that. I'm just putting it out there. We're we're a Coke household isn't, here. Isn't that just the same as Pepsi yeah, Max? Uh, I, I tried. So. I tried Mountain Dew Zero, which is different than yeah. Diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> it was meh. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Moving Hi. on. Hi. Uh yes, I am playing Willie Kane, a member of the CIA. Uh, he's a CIA operative based in Vietnam, and uh, yeah, he's. In between uh, punching people, he tries to figure <laughs> out what's going on, or maybe they're connected in somehow. 
Um, and I'm drinking ice water. Thanks. Uh, Mark? Yeah, I am playing Greg Lamont. He is a uh, naval intelligence officer. Deals with uh, primarily signals intelligence. Also a little bit of human side of it as well. Um, he's in Saigon to help uh, observe the North Vietnamese naval traffic, and I am drinking my standard coffee. Wow. Delicious. Mm-hmm. All of this is going to fall on Jason. Yeah. <laughs> and, this, and you know, Jason usually be, doesn't fail. <laughs> yeah. Is this going to be straight edge? All of no, the green? Yeah. Sober no, Jason as OCG I've been in. Jason is drinking. Uh, I'm drinking a gin highball. Just mm. um, been my go-to lately. Either gin or whiskey highballs, because it's just so easy. It's so hot. Like just building a cocktail is just too much effort when it's 106 degrees outside and like 15 percent humidity, which I know isn't a lot, but it's still too much. It's a lot out in, here in, well, in Arizona. It yeah, thing. it's. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not a dry heat anymore, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. I'm playing Lin Song. She is an interpreter by day, uh, interrogator by night for the Central Intelligence Office um, of the Republic of Vietnam. Um, attractive young lady. Grew up in a kind of folklore religion in in the house, but uh, is a practicing Catholic out in the world. Uh, and I'm your handler, Sexy Rexy. I am drinking water tonight. It's been slightly off the last few days, so I'm probably allergies. Hopefully, nothing more significant than that. But that's why I thought mine was too. Long. I don't know that I want you to finish the story for me. So. I got super fucking sick. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? It, uh, not that I want to be super freaking sick, but uh, well, we'll just leave it at that since we're recording. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, if you time it right and you just take the Friday off, then, then it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so last session was session 10, uh, and Mark was unable to make it, so we ran without him. Um, I put some notes up in our shared Google Doc, and they really, this time, they're, they're really about half super quick summary of the main points and half, like, kind of prods or points for directions for y'all to go, so... Um, if someone wants to recap, uh, we can do that, and uh, and then we'll figure out how you guys are going to spend the evening. Um, in typical Lynn manner, my notes basically just revolve around what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Because um, okay. that's only well, way. Tell us what Lynn did, and tell us what Lynn did last night. So I do have, um, and I can't remember. It must have been Willie. Um, 
uh, on that side, uh, it looks like DM is on his way out. The CIA mm -hmm. um, has brought uh, Conian in. Um, the ambassador brought him in to facilitate regime, regime change. Uh, I think we had a, an 11-2 date for that, right? 11-1 appears 11 to be your outside, okay. your outside date for this to happen. Oh, that, yeah. The photo was taken on 11-2. Um, um, we've looked into Black Virgin Mountain a little bit. Uh, it looks like the Viet Cong have no presence there which is interesting seeing as it's the high ground over this big flat area in the middle of the the region um i think lynn uh deduced that oliver west had been on the mountain or had at least been to the pagoda on the mountain uh lynn used some network to talk to uh um, domestic intelligence bureau contact named Ho Tron Hai um, just to look further into the, the Kao Dai um, and specifically she was after their connection to organized crime which doesn't seem like there is one at least from Hai's or I guess Ho's point of view um, excuse me um he also didn't really have anything to add about Blanchette, but with the DM regime, uh, he was able to kind of fill in some gaps, specifically about the death of uh, Tay uh, and his suspicious death, um, that it seems like maybe it was payback from the French uh, for, uh, was it one of their generals who died? There certainly was a French general who had been assassinated, and word on the street is the French placed that at the feet of General Tay. Yeah. Um, and, and so the thinking was um, that the French iced him during the chaos of the Battle of Saigon as payback. Um, but uh, your contact had an, a more dangerous theory. Yes. He saw a young, uh, at the time, Lieutenant Nung uh, in the area shortly before uh, Tay was killed. And we had encountered Nung. Um, I actually just underlined it. <clears throat> um, when Lin was taken to the um, Special Forces chief, um, Lee Kwang Tong, uh, Captain now Captain Nung was there with him. Uh, some 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 dots starting to connect. And what's the one thing Lin finds most memorable about now Captain Nung? Uh, he has killer eyes. Not like sexy killer, but like the eyes of a killer. Okay. Uh, I think that was pretty good. Uh, Willie, do you want to offer any? Yeah, I don't know what anybody else did. Uh, amendments to uh, 
lens understanding of, of what the operational situation is? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, th I think the, you know, Willie had spent his time working with internal resources to do some of the, the map analysis. Uh, you know, he was asking for just about anything that they had available on uh, Black Virgin Mountain. And uh, uh, that seemed to be helpful to a degree. And uh, I know Willie was keen or is keen on going there. Um, there was actually something that dissuaded him. I forget. There, yeah, there, there was supposed to be somebody up there. Um, now, you mentioned a moment ago that we didn't think NVA was up there, but yeah, right. I'm interested in checking it out. So, and anything you want to add about your conversation your Convers Conversations with who? Tom Donahue, your network contact. <sighs> yeah, was that last session? That was last session before you. No, I... it, it, it basically started, I think the first substantive thing was you talking to him oh, okay. to, get the, to get the follow-up. That's where the November date, right. first date came from. Yep. And Yeah, um, I... I tasked him two sessions ago, but he he got back to me last session. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I really think it was the news about the the connection between Conan and uh, he was, you know, Conan is um, uh, Donahue's boss, and uh, uh, he was able to kind of come through and let me know that yeah, he's Conan's in in country to kind of work on getting rid of dm um and then as you suggested the, the ambassadors involved as well right it, it goes it all the way up to the secretary of state right, right. Oh, clearly right. the secretary of state has authorized it and donahue feels like his white house sources you know if if the president hasn't ordered it the president knows what's going on and is tacitly it agreeing to the removal of, of DM. So it's, it's abundantly clear now that the that Washington, regardless of what the rank and file CIA, rank and file military assistance guys are doing, that Washington has decided that DM needs to go. Um, and, you know, as Delta Green agents, one of the questions that's still an open question is, have y'all stumbled across this as just, you know, uh, a coincidence, as Greg Lamont would say? Um, and it's, it's, in other words, what's not clear to y'all yet is whether there's a connection between Washington's decision to get rid of DM and the unnatural. I mean, there could be perfectly mundane reasons why. Washington wants to get rid of DM based on based on what you've seen and read and picked up so far, um, but there's definitely some unnatural stuff going on, and it seems to be swirling around important people involved in this process. So that's that's part of the hunt now is try to to piece these things together and figure out um, what's really going on. Uh, and what's really going on, how it connects to the unnatural. So I think that's good. And then uh, Lord Jesse went and spoke to Mr. Lee. 
his his network contact and he used up the last few points of Mr. Lee to find out some stuff about the Battle Plagon. Do you remember that? Jack uh, Cooper? So. Okay. <clears throat> uh, basically the, the Chinese organized crime um, I mean uh, alleged organized crime organization uh, basically knocked off their top guy because he was being a little too greedy um, in order to make peace uh, after the Battle of Saigon. Uh, yeah, and uh, and I may have just faded for a second there. The What was the thing that caused Mr. Lee the most shame about how they brokered that piece? Um, I thought it was that just that they uh, turned against their own to, to do it. Right, yes. They, they gave up their leadership. Um, they're very top guys. They gave them up to DM in return for everybody else getting a pass and getting to go back to business as usual. Um, and the bonus was uh, these guys were hiding in Anjiang province when they were given up in 1955. So, that's right. They sure were. That's probably just a coincidence. Um, uh, and let me circle back to one thing I missed with, with Ty. So um, to flesh out your what the CIA knows about Blackbird Virgin Mountain right now, um, the, the reports are kind of like all the analysis um, – it doesn't seem very – the analysis doesn't seem compelling. Like it doesn't seem like it's the best work um, based on stuff you've seen in the past. But it's consistent that the mountain is occupied by some type of local militia. There's not a lot of information about them. They don't appear to adhere to any of the, of the quote-unquote sides in the conflict. Um, and the Arvin have not challenged for control of the mountain. It, and it could be a valuable piece of real estate because it basically dominates the entire area. Uh, I mean, it's the ideal position if you want to have forward observers, if you want to have communications, if you want to basically control uh, mm -hmm. what's going on, you'd want to be up there. What, what's a little more surprising is that the Viet Cong haven't contested control of uh, the mountain either. Um, and as y'all were sifting through the paperwork, uh, Jack Cooper found like a one page document that was a request for action uh, initiated by Oliver West asking, requesting permission to use CIA paramilitaries and top Vietnamese special forces to assault the mountain, secure the mountain, eject whoever's up there. And uh, the CIA station chief denied that request. Uh, and that was a couple of months prior. Um, so that would have been, uh, you guys are October. So let's, let's say that it would have been like beginning of September. 
Um, so if you're a suspicious person or if you are someone that, you know, believes in conspiracies, you'll note that that request was after the pagoda raids uh, in August. Not that there's any linkage between the pagoda raids and the request to go up on that mountain. I'm just saying that that's something that the characters would have noticed. So, okay. Um, and that's pretty much what we covered. Uh, Greg Lamont, what the players decided is that you were off screen um, querying Delta Green for uh, you know, some additional information, particularly focused on the Battle of Saigon. Um, so I authorized Greg to, well, Mark, to read a portion of the Delta Green rule book. I don't know that I ever intend told anyone you couldn't read it, but I specifically directed him to a portion of the rule book. Uh, Greg, have you had that chance to do that reading? Yes. Yeah, I read through that that uh, that okay. section about Majestic. Yep. Um, so one of the things that Greg Lamont's been briefed on is, is something called Majestic, and I'll let him uh, meet with the group and he can info dump on uh, Majestic and I, I may backfill some uh, details. The other thing that I was going to do and I changed my mind, I was gonna give Mark some information in advance on the Battle of Saigon, but I decided uh, instead that you, got, you guys are gonna get that information in session tonight. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm gonna say it's now the 22nd and uh, would anyone have anything to, in my mind, the kind of the way this is working is oftentimes you guys spend some portions of your day tending to your day jobs uh, to make sure that your, you know, your quote unquote cover is somewhat intact. Mm -hmm. uh, and because you just can't disappear completely. And, and typically the evenings are when you're doing your more active investigation where you might actually be going somewhere or doing something. So I'm assuming that all that kind of work basically took through the 21st. And, you know, it's going to be the basically you guys convening, you know, the afternoon or the evening or 22nd to, to talk. But was there anyone who had anything that they would have wanted to do with their day job? Uh, and, and I know for Jack Cooper, that's kind of a... Strange, uh, strange idea. Uh, Lynn, yeah, Lynn checks in. I don't need. I don't think we need to zoom into it, but okay, all right. Um, and I'd been there recently, so I mean, I was. <laughs> I'll, I'll assume. I'll assume that as I was kind of shaking down Donahue, that I checked in with with folks as well. Okay. Um, just look at something real quick. Okay, so and Jack Cooper, anything you would have wanted to do? Uh, during the quote unquote day before you meet up with the rest of your team? Um. No. Nope. 
just okay. sharpening my uh, my bayonet. Okay. Uh, so uh, it's you know afternoon of October twenty second, and y'all are back together. You can info dump kind of the stuff we've already covered. And Greg Lamont, you want to uh, explain what you learned about Majestic? Yes. So, um, so I'm talking to the guys. I say, okay. Um, from the briefing I received, there is another organization, much like the one we're part of, called uh, code name Majestic. Um, now these guys are responsible, or their mission is to investigate aliens or extraterrestrials that have landed near or on, you know, on planet Earth. Um, it started from the Roswell, New Mexico incident, you know, in, the, in '47, and or just above table, Majestic has a lot of like levels. Was I uh, was I privy or was I briefed on all of them or just like kind of like an overview of? Yeah, I don't I don't think you you would have gotten the full dump that were in those pages. I just didn't want to try to read this paragraph and don't read that. Oh, paragraph. Yeah, sure, <laughs> yeah. you know it just. Um, uh, I, I this is a point where I wanted to give you the player basically all the information and understanding that that's the way it's written in the rule book. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I was chatting with Jason uh, earlier and I, I told him I'm, I'm coming to peace with the fact that I'm running this game the way I want to run it, not necessarily the way they wrote it. So even if it's in the book, you can't count that it's 100% gospel about the way I'm going to play. Okay. It. But, yeah, okay. That's cool. You know, um, you know, I wanted you to read all of it so that you could understand that Greg Lamont probably wouldn't have gotten all that. You can really kind of paint the picture for the rest of your team about yeah. what okay. Majestic is. Right. Okay. So, yeah, that, that's kind of what I was the, – the route I was going. So he might not have known of all these levels and what their specific missions are within each of those levels. However, he he kind of got the breakdown of, of what uh, he said to them. So, okay. So he's – uh, he's telling the guys, let's see. Yeah, and this one is, um, they, they have, uh, their mission kind of runs, my understanding is it runs concurrently with ours, but it, at the same time, we're somewhat of a rival. I think they end up, you know, sticking their nose into supernatural things as well. However, um, they were, for some reason, they were involved in the Battle of Saigon. And would he have gotten any information on, or is that that for us to to investigate further? Yeah, um, yeah, it's. I think probably the more important aspect of the the, the reason Delta Green decided to brief you on Majestic is, you know. Uh, when y'all reported back on your uh, adventure out in the jungle and uh, the encounter with the uh, flying snake, um, mm -hmm. they uh, and how that ended with Oliver West, 
that like triggered something at Delta Green and they felt the need to bring you in and, and now explain that. And so their suspicion is that Oliver West is almost certainly um, working for Majestic. Um, and, and one of the important things they conveyed is that Majestic uh, is, is again, very much like Delta Green. It's um, like Delta Green. It's not its own standalone entity with mm -hmm. everybody having full-time jobs. It's a shadow organization like Delta Green. So it recruits people who have day jobs and they try to find the right people with the right skills. Um, and, uh, but their guiding philosophy is that this alien technology, you know, the unnatural, whatever you want to call it, um, is a opportunity to get one leg up on the enemies of the United States of America uh, and or the enemies of humanity. Um, and that so this stuff should be embraced and uh, utilized and, and explored and deployed when necessary to win whatever struggle might be going on. So, um, so there's definitely a different philosophic outlook from Delta Green, mm -hmm. almost a diametrically opposed outlook. You know, Delta Green's very much, people should not know about this. This stuff needs to be buried away um, because people aren't ready to deal with it. And, you know, if this, if this was known, it would just cause chaos in the world. Um, and this stuff is bad also, that, that you're messing with things that, you know nothing about, you have no meaningful ability to control, and who knows what kind of havoc you're going to unleash playing with this stuff. Um, now, one thing they emphasized is that, you know, Majestic, you know, most of their members are, you know, United States citizens, you know, members of the United States military, members of the U.S. government, members of the mm -hmm. U.S. intelligence community. So as much as these organizations are opposed, it's not like they're KGB or, you know, some enemy entity. So mm -hmm. the, the, they wanted to emphasize to you that they were not suggesting that you take direct action against West. You know, um, there, there appears to be a gentleman's agreement that each organization is going to go about, you know, they're going to do their stuff and, and, you know, they'll try to beat the other guys, but what they're not going to do is wage war on each other. Okay. So, in fact, they wanted to make sure that you understood and your team understood that whatever Oliver West is doing, you know, killing Oliver West is not, uh, not something you should assume is within the scope of your rules of engagement. Unless Delta Green specifically told you he poses such a threat that now you, you know, it's okay. We have to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But we do yeah. know, but, but based on what we know about Majestic, we do know that there's our, this mission we're in now involves like an extraterrestrial element or an alien element on the, um, you know. 
Yeah, just above table for a second. You know, the the you might be overweighting uh, the fact that Majestic first came into existence because of what really happened at Roswell, um, and they didn't tell you exactly what happened at Roswell, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the Delta Green still works in a very compartmentalized. Um, you know, we're we're not going to tell any particular cell of Delta Green, everything mm-hmm. we know, we'll tell them what they need to know in order to do their job, you know, or to warn them off certain stuff. So, you know, they were very um, non-committal about what specifically happened at Roswell. They simply said that's the triggering event. Majestic gets formed to study Roswell and uh, study the idea of, you know, is there alien life? Is alien life um, interacting with our planet, um, but Majestic has now broadened their interest into things that are closer to what Delta Green is interested in as far as the quote-unquote supernatural or the unnatural as Delta Green prefers to uh, call it. So okay. you, sh- you shouldn't, you as the player should not assume that because Majestic's involved, you could count on a UFO landing or, you know, some big headed gray thing attacking you or anything like that. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. So, what's everyone's reaction to finding out about the existence of Majestic? We'll start with, I, I actually want to do this in a particular order. So we'll start with Willie Kane's reaction to the fact that there's a whole other shadow organization and apparently has members in the CIA. Uh, he's he. I, I'm shocked. I, you know, I knew kind of based on my discussions with uh, with Lucas, my my buddy, who's the duty ops officer, uh, that things could get weird. But I didn't think it to be on this side of the table, and uh, you know. Don't get me wrong. I know that we're underhanded at times, and we've got our own agendas. But to have uh, have the double dealing going on is is you know is, is shocking. Okay. Uh, how does Lynn feel about the fact that the Americans are even more screwed up than she assumed they were? Uh, she does agree that West is majestic. Um, she cocks an eyebrow at the whole. I think this is just very inefficient. <laughs> they would they would find so much more if, if they would just all work together. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's take South Vietnam in this example, a, a country free of factionalism and That's right. uh, self-interest, you know? <laughs> the Americans could be like us, they'd be in great shape. So. Exactly. Um, and, and I'm Really looking forward to Jack Cooper's reaction to this. So, would would you like his reaction to it? I would like his reaction. He turns to the other Americans and it's like, "Your tax dollars at work." <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, uh, so any any other majestic talk that y'all want to have? Did everybody get the? You know, at this point, you're not supposed to kill Oliver West unless you get some specific authorization to to do that. Is that, is that 
Because I'm just thinking about how. Yeah, I. Because I, <laughs> I know how role playing groups tend to go, um, and so I just want to really drive. We'll just kneecap just, him. We won't kill him. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> I, I didn't put much in uh, in explosives for uh, for Jack Cooper. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay. Uh, so now the other thing that you would task uh, Greg Lamont to uh, find out about was the Battle of Saigon. And what Delta Green actually has told you is that they have got uh, a resource in country that um, that y'all can speak with, who's uh, knowledgeable about the Battle of Saigon and and what aspects of it uh, interact with Delta Green. And so they've authorized you to brief with this subject um, to get you up to speed. And they told you that um, he is, his name is Lucas Johansson and his cover is he works uh, for the CIA and the US Embassy. Shit. <laughs> for our listeners at home who've forgotten uh although ty did invoke his name earlier which was great uh this is one of ty's bonds um who's actually had a, a few you know few screen you know scenes during this course of this game now he's going to have more screen time so uh so Question for Willie Kane, you know, what's a what's your reaction to finding out that because you knew that Lucas was Delta Green, but what's your reaction right. to finding out that Lucas is going to to be the person that gets you guys up to speed about the Battle of Saigon and what aspect, if any, uh, related to Delta Green? Uh, you know, I, I thought that was a life that that Lucas had put behind him uh kind of given how the way things have turned out for him and being mm -hmm. wheelchair bound yeah. and so now to kind of you know and i not not naturally i'm suspicious <laughs> i'm you know he seemed to be uh you know i don't say nurturing but like maybe pushing me in the direction of getting comfortable of working with delta green but to see that to learn that he's, you know, to some degree, I don't say pulling the strings necessarily, but he's got he's got a he's got a stronger hand in all this than I knew about, in the fact that he didn't disclose that. Uh, uh, I'm actually kind of hurt, you know. He's my best friend, uh, you know. Well, you know, you worked in the intelligence business. You understand that there are things that you can't tell your wife or tell your best friend um, because they're not cleared to know it. So. Yeah. Are you telling me that that agents break that rule when it comes to sharing stuff with their their friends who they're so they can talk? I'm just saying I have feelings, and I'm okay, a person, nice. and you are. A you just can't take advantage of me like that. Not expect me to react, nice. Lucas. I thought we were better than that, but that we were closer. Ty <laughs> is is bringing it. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna be he's gonna get MVP for the whole the whole series, not just a session or two. You know? I'm getting ready okay. to punch him. Nice. Uh 
always apparently an option that yields the results. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, I enjoy, enjoy it more than I thought it would. So um, I guess my first logistical question for Willie is knowing that, mm -hmm. um, do you want to try to set up a meet with Lucas outside the embassy? Or do you want to take the team to the embassy and, you know, meet there? Um, yeah, and I'm going to ask other people what they want to do. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm thinking we got to move this off site. Like, okay. I don't want to I don't want to be running into people in the halls. And now that Conan's around and the ambassadors got like just if you got stuff to tell me, Lucas, you can tell me after hours. Okay. How do you intend to get that message to him? So um, meet, meet in person and then take the meeting off site? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't have a problem running into him okay. know, here at the, at the embassy and kind of, hey, I want to talk to you for a second. Okay. Maybe um, give him the... Is it is it fair to assume that the team really kind of wants to know what Lucas knows before they get too deep in any other course of action? Yeah, because I think the next course is <clears throat> traveling somewhere. Potentially. Right. Um, I, I'm just I'm getting ready to hit the fast forward button to, you know, like a quick session at the embassy doing the um uh the follow-up and then fast forward to the actual meet. But if people, if other players had things that they wanted to do um, before that conversation takes place, we can do that. No, I don't. Got Cooper, anything else? No, nothing else. Okay. Uh, okay, so let us, this is one tech one thing real quick. Mm -hmm. radio. Um, so, uh, you can take Lynn with you again to, uh, the embassy and Jack. I mean, and... if, if nothing else, she looks good on my arm. I mean, she's probably good at her job. She's probably good at her job too. I think. We did kind of set up the like secretary last time. That's true. Good point. Sure. <laughs> so, um, Okay, so you guys uh, get to the embassy, um, and Willie, you can immediately tell that just kind of the um, uh, the temperature. Well, I, I like I probably overuse that word. There's a, a somewhat of a tension that seems to be a little higher than it was the last time you we were inside the embassy. Um, 
uh, and you definitely get the sense that it's just kind of the accumulated. Um, there's always been, you know, discussions and intelligence suggesting that, that the GM regime always had some threats. But, you know, if you remember your guys marching orders were to go out and, and really gather intel on what was going on, particularly towards that issue. And now it really, uh, uh, you're going to sense that even if people don't know what you know, mm-hmm. they're not stupid. Like, there's just, you know, people are on edge. Um, so... Uh, so you go hunting around looking for uh, Johansson, and uh, what, like, where do you think he would normally work? What do you think his day uh, job with the CIA is? Yeah, I mean, so basically, uh, his primary job is he's a duty ops officer. So that basically means as operations are being run, he is on call as kind of a coordinator. And so he's keeping senior team members uh, apprised of any word that's going on. If, you know, somebody's in trouble or needs help or he'll send out resources. Uh, he, he, he's basically the in-office coordinator for when operations are live. And so you'd okay. find him in what I'll call the operations room. You know, it's got It's got maps and, you know, whatever serves as terminals and computers in the 1960s and you know however they run cia operations it's the main hub of of their all that coordination Uh, so you uh you know make your way in there again you know you've got enough clout that you know they don't really give lynn much of a second look and again some people are starting to associate her with you so they're just kind of whatever um, so in you go, and you know, again, I just have this vision of, um, you know, guys in like short sleeves, dress shirts with no ties and, mm-hmm. you know, maps and there's like, like, you know, some tables with radio gear on it. Like it's very kind of ad hoc and of course the cigarette smoke is just, you know, hanging in the air and mm-hmm. probably... Uh, a cheap little refrigerator that you know, got beers in it. Um, yeah, it's the CIA in 1950. I can't have a beer while you're working. I mean, come on. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> That's very different than right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, a kinder time, a better time. Um, lots of cigarette smoke, though. Oh, yeah, lots of cigarette smoke just hanging. But Lynn, it's the good a good American cigarette smoke. So, mm-hmm. No, yeah. okay. French cigarettes nice. only. Okay. Uh, so uh, Lucas, you know, he's in the midst of something. He's you know on the radio communicating with somebody, and he kind of sees you, and he kind of you know puts the hand up like, "Let me finish this up," and and wraps up. Uh, a couple of the other you know guys that work with him in the op center side-eyeing Lynn a little bit, like, really? You brought her in here? Can we trust her? She, like, not... thrusts a little bit, so her, her skirt rises just, you know, half an inch. 
that certainly divides the room. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so what she's here least, for. Yeah. Like, you definitely notice, like, at least one guy kind of slides over closer to her. Like, um, I can't tell you everything we do here, but it is of the utmost importance for your country. So he, he's definitely making his, his first play. Um, trying to impress you with uh, everything. Uh, so Lucas clears what he's doing, and he's like, uh, Willie, do you have actionable information for me? I mean, I don't remember you working on a uh, but he's looking at Lynn, and you can tell that he's he, he's acting in a way to make sure that if anyone's paying attention to your discussion, it appears to be an ordinary discussion. But he knows that you work for Delta Green. He knows that you've been activated. So he's got kind of a pensive, slightly pensive look. Um, and what are you going to say to him? Or how are you going to get this this message to him? Um, I look him, uh, I kind of lean forward. I get, he's in his wheelchair. I lean down. And I go, I just say to him, I go, majestic. And then uh, I stand up straight and uh i think we should talk tonight well you know willie i'm always happy to to talk to you you know can we can we do someplace where we can get something better than this city beer they have uh, on site here at the embassy yeah my uh my friend lynn here she knows she knows of a place okay. i can imagine lynn knows a appropriately uh secret uh, uh private type uh bar that we could meet at in back back dark, dark back room should we get a room at the majestic <laughs> that would be too good actually yeah, <laughs> <why not? laughs> she can call it a favor in a row i'll say do you want a gm who's lucky or a gm who's good <laughs> um give me the 12 seat a room at the Majestic. As your GM, I'm going to recommend you actually don't do that. But um, if you if you guys want to play big, then sure, go ahead. Uh, don't go to the Majestic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, how about uh, nine thirty then? Yeah, we should have. Uh, everything wrapped up by then. So, okay, uh, Willie, we'll create Virginia and uh, get out there, get us some better information so we can uh, take this fight to the communists instead of them taking it to us. Yeah, you just make sure you're there. You just you just make sure you're there on time. You, you start cracking your knuckles while you say that? <laughs> no, no, he, he knows how to roll. Okay. Uh, all right, then I'm planning to fast forward to the this meeting with Lucas Johansson unless somebody else has something they've just realized they want to have happen. No. Nope. Okay. All right, so it's 930. Uh, you guys go to this discreet, you know, kind of local place. It's got a private room. Um, 
and get set up. And, you know, Lucas uh, arrives. I'm assuming that you probably had somebody from the embassy drive him and kind of help, help at least get him into place. Do you help mm -hmm. him kind of maneuver the wheelchair to get into the, uh, into the private room? Sure. Okay. Um, let's have some fun since we don't use this system very often. Everyone roll sense trouble for me. Let's see what happens. Trouble. I'm going to spend two. Boom. I'm going to spend zero. Greg senses nothing. Boo. Uh, so Lynn and Jack, um, you get the impression that there's a car that has followed, um, whatever car that, uh, Johansson pulled up in. And Willie and Greg are oblivious to that, so they're, they're, Taking uh, Johansson back to the private room. You want to do anything at this point, or and yeah, Lynn, theoretically, uh, you can have help if you want. As far as like people to, they know what you do. So if you if you want to say that you've got people to keep an eye on it for you, that's fine with me. Uh, that might be the easiest thing. Okay. You know, Jack, Jack doesn't necessarily want to get too deep into this crap, so he'll uh, he'll go ahead and walk by that car and see see what's up there. Nice. <laughs> right. All right. Like so, a um, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I want to ruminate on exactly what you're gonna see when you do that. Um, so let's let's do the talk to Lucas part, and then I will flash back to you uh, outside by the car. Um, okay, so you guys get in, Lucas, you know, looks around, um, and I know that he knows, like, I don't remember if Lucas ever met everybody else on the team, so, Willie, I assume that you basically, you know, give them the password or the code word that tells them that these people are all Delta Green, um, you know, agents, and he can he can freely talk to them. He he understood it. He also got a message from Delta Green, under, you know, indicating that he was supposed to brief y'all. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so he's like, Willie, uh, you know, when I saw you, I I figured this was what my message from Delta Green made sense at that point, but um, they didn't mention anything about Majestic, so. I thought I was just going to talk to you about, you know, 1955. And when he says 1955, you just get kind of a weird vibe off of him. You can't place it yet, but there's some emotional attachment to whatever's taking place back then. Uh, but he does seem curious about Majestic. Uh, I didn't know that you were briefed in on Majestic. Um, 
What's going on? Uh, maybe briefed isn't what I'd call it either. But let's just say that we know about the double dealing. And uh, so let's cut the bullshit. Let's get to the briefing. We've got work to do. Willie, you seem really... Uh... You've not been yourself since you came back from Anjiang. Are you sure you're holding it together? By a thread. By a thread. And the sooner we get this shit sorted out, the sooner I can get back to myself. And, uh, uh, but this kind of approach isn't isn't cutting it for me. Well, is there something particular about the Battle of Saigon that, that y'all are looking at or you're interested in? I mean, I was here, so I know a lot about it. Uh, and I was working for Delta Green, so it just wasn't clear to me that what I was just told that y'all needed information about the battle. And because of my practical experience, they asked me to, to come really kind of debrief with you about my experience. So, well, why don't you start with why Delta Green was interested in the first place? So he, you know, launches into a little bit of a monologue talking about the situation overall in Vietnam in 1955, the threats to the DM regime, um, and the fact that that Delta Green was um, concerned because there was some evidence uh, then he talks, he, he kind of breaks off and talks about the fact that there are uh, traditions and some people would say cults um, in Asia that Delta Green has encountered throughout its history that have an affinity for the unnatural. Uh, and anytime there's a place where there's conflict, um, that appears to be a magnet for some of these groups and or some of these uh, beings. And, and Lucas, you could tell he's kind of struggling with the word beings. Like, is that really the best word? But you know, it's a word that will work. Um, so Delta Green, you know, he was put here mostly to look for signs of problems. He wasn't sent there because a known problem already existed. Um, he did become concerned about a couple different uh, aspects in 1955. Um, number one, Delta Green has some prior experience with, let me find their name so I don't get it wrong. I should have written this down earlier today. I apologize. Yeah. Um, there's a particular uh, organization called the Kun Yuen. 
K-U-E-N hyphen Y-U-I-N. It is a group that uh, has its origin in China. Um, It's a group that is ancient in its existence. Um, And for a long period of time, they were very influential with the governance of China. Um, And uh, Delta Green has some conflicting theories on exactly how they're connected to the unnatural. Um, The current operating theory is that they are the earthly interface or earthly manifestation of something that's commonly referred to as Xin, X-I-N. So above table for a second, Lynn, this is the exact same Jin. Well, when you hear Jin, you immediately think back to your interview with the teacher at the high school. Yep. Um, but in uh, Lucas takes a few minutes to talk about how the Jin are considered in Asian folklore um, as a manifestation of spirits and all things have spirits. But actually, Delta Green um, posits it. And Lucas kind of pauses and looks around at you guys with the, they're going to think I'm crazy when I say this. He said, I can't really, I can't explain the math to you. But the really smart people talk about the fact that um, but there are other dimensions, and those dimensions might parallel ours. Um, they have their own laws of physics and reality, but they also might be different than us. And these Zen are not spirits of this world. These Zen are actually fragments of something that came from another dimension long in the past long before our history was fully, uh, before our history was even begun. And this, these entities, um, you know, they're almost, they're almost like a germ, but maybe uh, it's really hard to, to, to try to convey what they are. I've been briefed on it repeatedly and I've, I've looked into it and I still really can't tell you exactly what they are. What I can tell you is they're malevolent and they use humans to do their bidding, which appears to be to create a maximum amount of death and destruction and despair. And we believe that the Kunyuin are again, the earthly manifestation or, or the human front of the Zen, that they do the Zen bidding. That again, for generations, they were powerful behind the scene forces in deciding who was, you know, what regime led in China, who the emperor was. Um, and they seemed very interested in 
gathering and protecting uh, certain artifacts. The Jin are a spirit, but in order to remain in this world, they have to they have to connect to something. Uh, and one of the substances they seem prone to connect to is jade. Um, is what? Jade. The material jade. Jade. jade oh, jade. <clears throat> I was, all I could hear was jade. Yep. <laughs> Not for Frank Bernard's daughter. That's, again, just a coincidence right. that mm-hmm. things worked out. Um, so... The Jin again have far less power than they were alleged to have in the past. One of the reasons why they now use the Kun Yuan to assist them. And again, their their goal appears to be well, the Kun Yuan's goal appears to be earthly power, earthly influence, um, and to protect the Jin. We fear that the Jin's goal is to create something through wide-scale suffering suffering and death and despair. Our fear is that something may in some way have some connection to their other dimension. Some people speculate that they are trying to open a path to go back to their dimension, but obviously the fear is that they may be opening a path bring something in from that other dimension. So I was posted here in uh, actually 1954 that we had reports that the Kun Yuan after the communists took over in China that they had made a decision to break their group up into subgroups and spread throughout Asia and find receptive locations where they could uh, be free of communist aggression and uh, regain their strength. And again, do this work of, of protecting the Jin and assisting the Jin, altering the world order. Uh, there was some concern that the Kun Yuan may be behind the Binjian Chinese organized crime. So that was one thing that I was I was watching for in uh, 1954 and 1955. So just that for a moment, I'm going to get some water. I'm doing a lot of talking mm-hmm. here. So. Yeah, no problem. I think I'm going to grab something, some more Coke Zero myself. All right, refill time. You and the team was our team was working the organized crime front angle. Uh, I had poked into that a little bit last time or two sessions before. Okay. And I don't think I really got anything 
You didn't get anything from, uh, I'm back by the way, you didn't get anything from your day job. Yeah, right, right, right. right. This is what you're getting from Delta Green on the the possible Chinese organized crime. Mm -hmm. I think Lin Song was also looking at that a little bit and really Jack Cooper also. So everyone was working except Willie, who was just farting around punching people. So, punch master. He was really good at punching. Yeah. That one time. So, is everyone back? Does it look like Jason's still muted? But. I I was looking at the uh, Battalion Combat Series uh, Content World, and I saw you were posting there about the 2.0 rules. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I've recently uh, gotten back into that a little bit, so I got Blitzkrieg uh, on my uh, table right now, and sorting through stuff, and yeah. Uh, we might have to play. I uh, Mitch has tried to teach me BCS. Okay. And when he and I were playing like face to face, I was starting to grok it. Um, and then uh, he's like, "Well, we can play by email." And I just, because you know me, and play by email doesn't always uh, click along. Uh, okay. I realized I still owe a uh, spring deployment. I thought I was going to get that done before we started the session tonight. That clearly was incorrect. So, um, yeah, we'll have to schedule a time to play. I, I want to play Brazen Chariots. If that's okay. not a turn off for you. Well, which uh, which conflict is Brazen Chariots about? That's North Africa. North Africa. Okay. Uh, the the uh, Brits. The Yeah, Brits. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Like. Uh, Battle Axe and Compass, I believe, uh, are kind of what Breaking Chariots covers. So, Does BCS not have as much of a supply? Like, I understand OCS has a real uh, heavy supply mechanic. Does BCS kind of lighter in that regard? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'd say lighter. I mean, certainly lighter than OCS, from, although mm-hmm. I've never played OCS, but, uh, but still... Uh, it's it's less I don't know, it's more abstracted or something. It's, yeah, it's abstracted, but it's still more uh, concrete than most games. Okay, okay. It's like in between, I'd say. Got it. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of interesting abstractions in the game that uh, that their their rules are not complex. They're mm-hmm. just different, and yeah. so my challenge is. You, when you look at the game, it looks like every other Hex Encounter War game you've played. 
Um, so you start making assumptions about how things work and then you realize that's not how things work in this game. Right. Uh, so you have to kind of unlearn some acquired knowledge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the changes I think are pretty, they're interesting. Like they're it's like, oh, that's kind of a different way to do it. I never, hmm, I wonder how that works. Yeah, yeah. that's always cool in, to kind of come across those. Yeah. I just, you know, on the on the the summer sale, I ended up picking up the Dark Summer. Was it the Dark Summer? Yeah, the the Normandy, like the oh, the Norm- yeah, the yep. Ted Racier one. Mm-hmm. Yep, I was on the fence where to get that because you know, I you know, with I mean Normandy forty four, I got that it pretty much scratches you know the itches that I got for that. But uh, I just thought I'd try it out because that's what somebody said. It's got you know just some interesting takes or some new mechanics on it that are kind of like you described, just different and interesting. So I'll give that a go. But yeah. Nice. Well, now that we've digressed, yes. Jason appears to be back. Do you guys want to continue sure. your your briefing from Lucas? Yeah. Come on, uh, Lucas. Creatures from another dimension. Are you kidding me? Come on. You know, Willie, I remember when I had the luxury of being skeptical about these things. And he has a very wistful look as he says that. He's not, he's not like giving you shit, just like you, you, get, you get the sense that he really misses a time where he's like- Every time, fondly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When I was naive, it was good times. Um, so he, he pushes on and he explains that, um, you know, Delta Green was concerned that the Kunyuan might be behind the Benjian and um, attempting to help the Benjian seize power so that they would have a new place where they had. Because uh, again, the Kunyuan are very much always, they want to be the behind the scenes, they want to be the advisors to the great leader. You know, they want to be the Confucian class um, that just, you know, implements the policies of whoever the figurehead is. That they want to be the power behind the throne. Um, so we were concerned about that, and we were looking into that um, when the when the Battle of Saigon began. Um, but a new concern developed. Uh, I don't know if you are familiar with uh, the cow die. And he kind of looks around to see like if cow die registers with anyone. Does anyone give him a response? Nope. Of course not. You guys are some hard mofos. <laughs> uh, so he goes on to explain that the, the cow die ended up coming to the rescue of the regime and in particular, a general Tay who had formed his own, you know, broken off his own uh, militia from the main Kaudai because he was unhappy with some of the, the political decisions the Kaudai leadership was making. And um, that Tay uh, came to the aid of the DM regime. Now, not that Delta Green was involved, but he's got it on good authority that the Kaodai came to the aid of the DM regime 
because Ed Lansdale and Lucy and Conan promised them three million United States dollars uh, if they came over and supported the regime. That doesn't really concern Delta Green. That's how business has been done in South Vietnam for a while. Our concern was when we began to observe uh, Tay's uh, militia and their operations. Uh, they seemed to have uh, just extremely high morale and uh, an almost insane disregard for taking casualties or danger or taking risks. Um, and we started to do some research and we uh, were aware that uh, prior to coming to Saigon, Pei had centered his militia on Black Virgin Mountain uh, in Tainan province. A lot of stories about Black Virgin Mountain. Um, our concern was that the effects we were seeing, there didn't appear to be any rational explanation for why his militia in a period of few months had, had been formed really, and suddenly had become an elite fighting force. Um, and again, one that appeared to have a complete disregard for danger, intense bloodlust. Um, so we began, became concerned that there was supernatural connection. Pei ends up dying during the Battle of Saigon, not at the hands of Delta Green, uh, but we we went to Black Virgin Mountain shortly after the Battle of Saigon. And now you definitely pick up uh, a, you know, Lucas is definitely getting emotional now. Um, and he talks about leading his Delta Green team up to Black Virgin Mountain and uh, finding a cave, and within that cave, there were deposits. Well, there was there was freshly exposed jade within the cave, and they could tell that it had some of it had recently been worked, um, and it was very clear that there was an unnatural provenance to this jade. Um, and that it, Delta Green was confident that it was, uh, in fact, the Jin. Uh, his team was attacked, and uh, most of his team was wiped out. Uh, and he and he says in kind of a now really wistful way uh, that. Um, you know, like he says, I was one of the lucky ones who escaped, but as he says it, he cast his eyes down on his wheelchair. Um, and you realize that, that that was the operation that, that caused him to end up being paralyzed and 
wheelchair bound. Um, but the team members that managed to survive got out of the cave and then they um, had Arvin engineers come in and they basically blasted the cave, closed a huge, huge amount of TNT was brought in and they basically like not just like caused a little cave in, but basically demolished the whole cave structure um, to make sure that nobody could get to that. Uh, and uh, that's that's how his involvement with the Battle of Saigon came to an end in those events afterwards. That's that's basically where he stops. You guys can certainly ask questions to get additional information or get clarification. Uh, and there may be a couple more things for him to to offer. You guys want to think for a minute while I go to Jesse outside? Uh, sure. Okay, Jesse. So uh, you see this car that has parked across the street, and you and Lynn both uh, perceive that you know it arrived shortly after Lucas arriving. Nobody got out of the car, um, and you, just everything's everything in your senses are telling you that um, this is some kind of tail or surveillance. So you said you yeah. wanted to do a walk by. Yep, I still do. Okay, uh, and just uh, just a complete. You know, walk by, don't don't slow down, no contact, anything. Uh, yep, just straight up walk on by. Okay. Um, so as you walk by, you see two, I'm going to say young South Vietnamese men, or Vietnamese men. You don't know if they're South Vietnamese or not. Um, you know, but not like super young, like probably you'd have to guess somewhere between, you know, 25 and 30 years old. Uh, you know, one in the driver's seat, one sitting in the you know the front passenger seat, smoking cigarettes, of course, and of course. Uh, clearly keeping eyes on this restaurant uh, that the rest of the team is in. And they look at you as you're walking. Are you trying to make it hard for them to see you or anything of that nature? Or are you just acting like a uh, a just person. acting like a uh, a civilian, just walking on by. Now you are an American. Yeah, but I'm near the American embassy, right? Oh no, no, uh, we moved to the. Yeah, I, the I, my impression was that Lynn was taking you to an out of the way place where you're less likely to encounter foreign nationals. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so they're definitely looking at you as you come walking by. They're not doing anything about it. Uh, and then you do notice that uh, one of them, uh, the passenger, mm -hmm. looks like he's got a notepad and a, like a small flashlight. Uh, and he starts writing something as you come walking by. Uh, I'm going to stop and 
and back up and uh, and knock on the window. <laughs> I love having Jesse in these games. Uh, okay. So uh, they look a little startled that you did that. Um, the guy in the... Uh, assume, are you knocking on the driver's side? Yeah. Okay. So well, he kind whichever of side is on the on the sidewalk. I'm gonna. Uh, in my mind, the passenger side is towards the sidewalk. Like they okay. like they pulled in on the opposite side of the street. So if you go to, if you're going to be on the sidewalk, then you're going to be on the passenger side. Okay. So the, the guy with the flashlight. The, the yeah. passenger side window. Yeah. So he like flashes the flashlight up into your eyes, and you hear the driver's side door opening but otherwise he's the guy in the past he's not doing anything i'm gonna knock on the passenger side window again and and say um excuse me in, in vietnamese okay so uh, you can't see real well because this guy is shining the flashlight in your eyes and then you you hear the the driver's gotten out like he's opened his door Right. He stepped out. So now he's he's looking at you over the roof of the car. Uh, and he's asking you in Vietnamese, you know, what do you want? Are you looking for trouble? No, are you looking for trouble? What, what, I walk by and, and I see your friend writing something down. What, what are you guys doing? We're doing our job. You should keep walking so that our job doesn't change. I want to speak to your manager. <laughs> okay, Karen. Um, look, and he uses whatever pejorative uh, Vietnamese term is the appropriate pejorative for, you know, foreigner slash barbarian. Uh, I think it's Farang. I think that's what we decided. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Look, Farang, you move on. Or you'll have lots of trouble. I just don't like people writing things about me without me knowing. Could you at least tell me what you wrote about me? And he gets kind of a smile on his face. Yeah. Big, stupid, ugly American walked out of a restaurant. Are you happy now? No, I need you to rewrite that. Extremely handsome American <laughs> who speaks flawless Vietnamese. Walks by. He is a priest with your language skills. And then, so you hear him kind of, like, you see him kind of, like, duck his head down. You can tell he's talking to his partner. And you hear him in a loud voice say, I'll make a note. Speaks excellent Vietnamese. Okay, well. You want me to get you guys uh, something to eat while you're waiting here? He, uh... He laughs again. We don't take gifts from the Americans. Are you sure? Because uh, that's not my understanding. And I, oh, I, make... I bang on the, the top of the car and, and walk on. All right. Let's cut back inside. So uh, anybody have questions for Lucas at this point based on what he's Dumped on y'all. 
what did uh, uh, did any subsequent research by Delta Green turn up any other information, especially around the use of the jade? Uh, after Tay's death, the his particular Kaodai militia was mostly broken up and absorbed into the Arvin. Um, we tried to follow up later, see if we could recover any jade, um, and and did some discreet interviews, and we couldn't really find anyone in his militia that still had jade. Um, or really, or, or even talked about being given jade. So whatever the, the power of the Jin and how it affected the militia, it didn't seem, it didn't seem to be something that they distributed amongst the militia. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, we were not able to recover Kay's body. Um, there was a funeral service, but it was, Extremely well guarded by his militia, uh, but we subsequently went to recover the body from where it was supposedly buried, and it wasn't there. And we worked that angle for a little while longer, never, never really got anywhere, and then we got tasked to other issues. I, I was out of action for most of that time, and he kind of points down at the wheelchair again. Um, so. Did you learn anything about why the Zen are attracted to it or what their use of it is? Again, it appears to be a almost a host for whatever this um, in some ways it's almost like a power, almost like a magnetism or an electrical field, but it is sentient. Uh, at least that's what the brains that Delta Green uh, have shared with us. And that's why they use the term malevolence to uh, describe it. So uh, that's why we dynamited uh, the cave to make sure that no one would have access uh, to that. And then at that point, uh, Willie goes, oh, sorry I asked. Um, other questions? Uh, has anyone been in contact with the Zen? Say that again? Has anyone been in contact with the Zen? Uh, we would never... Uh, want to expose any of our agents in an effort to communicate with the Zen. Uh, our experience, particularly with the Kun Yuan, suggests that long-term exposure to the Zen leads to uh, substantial mental health problems. Um, for many people, it actually manifests in a despair. Uh, in some people, a, a form of mania. Um, so Delta Green has classified the Zen as a, as a hostile uh, entity, uh, one which needs to be dealt with with extreme measures and measures uh, of, of utmost safety as possible. 
Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so I I have to say I'm I'm a little worried as to why I'm giving this briefing to you guys. Why is the Battle of Saigon so important to what you're doing now, if you don't mind me asking? That's what we're trying to figure out. <laughs> yeah, that we don't know yet. Ask some more questions. <laughs> Who knows what might come up? <laughs> Did you ever see what attacked you in the cave? It was very unclear. Uh, it came out of the shadows. Um, didn't appear to be, it, it wasn't a man or men. Um, it's difficult to, it was more than one thing, but it would just rip through people's bodies and, uh, cause horrific injuries. Uh, it just hit me, whatever it was, hit me a glancing blow and actually punched through my, my lower spine and, uh, out through the, the front of my, uh, lower abdomen uh, and I managed to, oh. to crawl my way out uh, while some ver other very brave Delta Green operatives paid the ultimate sacrifice for a few of us to escape and arrange for the destruction of, of the cave. He's getting emotional again when he talks about this. And then he kind of snaps out of it. And he says, look, if somebody's trying to uh, tap into the power of the Zen to achieve something, that is a most dangerous turn of events. And I, I have to encourage you to do everything in your power to make sure that they fail. Um, you know, again, my interaction was very brief, and it was really in a situation where um, I don't I don't perceive that the the Zen realized that we were going to come if they were prepared or it was prepared. I suspect things would have been far worse. Let's cut back out to Jack Cooper. So two guys that clearly appear to work for some kind of intelligence, security, something, are surveilling the bar and had their encounter with you. What are you doing? You're going to go back, or not the bar, excuse me, the restaurant. You're going to go back in or are you going to go somewhere else? Or what are you going to do? Uh, once I'm, I'm sure they're not looking at me 
anymore. I'm going to sneak back and uh, slash their tires. <laughs> nice. I mean, not too loud, my department's budgets were going to too loud, but I'm going to words. I'm going to you know poke them try. Give a nice quietly. Yes, try. I try to. This could be interesting. Is this where Jackson Cooper meets his end? Exactly. Um you don't have any stealth, do you? Uh no, why would I need that? <laughs> I think you wanted to sneak up on someone's car and slash their tires. So uh do you want to look at your character sheet and tell me what you think you could convey into Stealth or use similar to stealth in order to accomplish this goal? Um, maybe some. Uh, some street wiseness. Street wiseness. Alright, I'll let you spin out of streetwise if you want. Uh to to come back in. And do a one point spin. You can just you can roll now and uh oh, right. we'll know to add add one. Hold on. Let me just redo that and then Nope, that did not roll anything. Uh, so you, are you in play mode? Yes. I think if you click the die symbol, then click the uh, nope. thing, it will roll that. it for you. That's weird. Nope. Okay. Um, what's the shortcut? Just slash roll. Oh, in uh, Discord, or if you, yeah, you hit you hit play, or oh, in Discord, okay. Yeah, he's going to Discord to do it. Right, right. It's a, it it's a BB exclamation point. Yeah, BB. Well, BB exclamation point help gives you all the commands. Okay. Roll. You roll one d six plus one. D six. Nope. Just maybe not brackets. And the D has to be capitalized. There we go. Jason, oh no, it doesn't. No, I was wrong. Maybe I can't send a bolt a bill to uh, mm. Black Book. See if I can do it for you. There, there you go. go. Four. Four to four. Uh, so explain how you get back to this car. Um, and like, are you jamming your uh, bayonet in the tires, or are you like, I'm like trying to delicately let the air out? What are you doing? Um, well, first of all, I'm like 
ducking behind a car that's parked several behind them, and then I'm just going to, like, shimmy my way under several cars to get underneath the back of theirs. Okay. And then I'm going to just poke my uh, my bayonet into, the, like, the the meaty part of the tire just, just mm-hmm. far enough to that it, it's not going to be leaking much now, but as soon as they start driving, it's going to flatten. Okay. And just I'm one tire, that. or are you going to do Both, both back off. tires. Okay. All right. Uh, you succeed. Striking a blow against the uh, security state. That's there right. Go, Jack Cooper. Uh, all right, let's pop back indoors. I assume after that, you're going to try to uh, make your way back to the restaurant without being seen. No, I'm going to go grab something to eat. Nice. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, so let's I pop mean, back uh, in. <laughs> he, he doesn't know what's going on in there, but he would be very okay. happy to know he wasn't in there. <laughs> okay. Uh, so let's pop back in. Anything else you guys want to talk to Lucas about? You got the Kunyuan, which is uh, a, a Chinese cult that Salt Screen thinks is uh an interface between the zen and the, you know the quote-unquote normal world um you've got you know lucas's own experience you got some evidence that maybe general k got a little help from the zen and it became a super badass right until somebody put a bullet in his head mm-hmm. uh, so Any other questions for Lucas? Hmm. We believe there are some strange goings on back up at the mountain. Let's assume that the the Zinners are involved. Why now? Well, obviously, uh, we're at a what appears to be a critical moment for the government of South Vietnam. So perhaps the Zen are trying to manipulate the situation to have an outcome that has the maximum uh, amount of chaos and death and destruction, or maybe the Zen are being manipulated. You know, that power is being manipulated. It's, I mean, e- each of those could be true. The real question is, is somebody attempting to uh, use the unnatural to gain an advantage in the struggle for, for who's going to control the government of South Vietnam? That's the real question. That's what I'd be asking if I were you. Is there anything else we'd run into if we were up there on, uh, we went up to the mountain? I'm not sure. I will tell you that one of the things Delta Green tasked me with, 
upon my recovery and going back to uh, to beauty, uh, I've been um, editing the reports about Black Virgin Mountain to try to make them as uninteresting as possible. Uh, because we're concerned if either the Arvin or the Viet Cong um, were to seize the mountain. I mean, we did a pretty good job dynamiting that place, but you know, either one of those factions controlling the mountain, yeah, we don't fully understand the ability of the Zen to influence others. We know that it can. We clearly have encountered people in the past that have become agents of the Zen, cultists, you might say, of the Zen. So uh, the some remnants of the Kaodai militia have been up there. I've I've downplayed their origin, kind of sanitized the reports that we've gotten back. Uh, again, in an effort to make that place look as uninteresting as possible, but I'm not I'm not aware not aware of any particular problems uh, or goings ons up there. We've been fortunate that neither the Arvin nor the Viet Cong seem to have been interested in contesting that. There may be a day when we'll have to deal with that. But so far, we've been lucky. I can see our luck running out. Well, Willie, um, when you sign up for Delta Green, you have to make your peace the fact that eventually all of us are going to run out of luck, but if we can keep the world a simpler and uh, just a little bit nicer place for our time, the time we serve, then we've done our job. So I, I wish I could do more to help you. I'd love to get back out in the field, but he kind of looks down again at his, his wheelchair. Best I can do now is keep an eye on things, you know, share information if I get it. Again, I don't know exactly what y'all are, are up against, but uh, I'm, I wish I could be there with you, but I'm scared for you as well. Be careful. Don't mess around with this stuff. Don't mess around with people who think they can use this stuff. Right. You guys are so quiet. Contemplative yeah. is the word. Yeah, we're just taking, <laughs> taking all this in. Once again, I'm like, um, Lucas is going to tell them too much stuff, and they're going to be like, oh, bah, duh, done, thanks. <laughs> this is the easiest thing ever. 
Oh, well. Sunday this game will end. Uh, okay. Uh, if you guys don't really have anything else with Lucas, I'm going to send him on his way and probably fade us to black uh, at this point, unless someone has something really awesome they want to do uh, on the night of October 22nd, 1962. I don't think so. No, I don't, I don't have anything burning, burning a hole in me. We're going to the mountain Not next. Yet. I think we are. Yeah, next next I'm, time I'm, next, I'm I'm lobbying for the mountain. I'm going to the okay. mountain. Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. the well the, the what's the um, worst that could happen? Yeah. The heart probably isn't there. Um, our our missing uh, journalist might be. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was funny so in the last session when when Jason's you know. Weren't we supposed to be looking for a journalist and all this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so we'll fade to black. But before we go, uh, you know, we can go above table for a minute, and again, you know, remind remind you as players as things your characters know. Um, I'm perfectly fine if you guys want to go to the mountain. It's it's good to know that because I'll actually uh, maybe we'll do a little bit more than a half-assed prep for the mountain, uh, <laughs> so that you guys can do some real stuff when you go up there. Um, and it uh, I will I will say this when I first started putting this together. I thought the game ended on Black Virgin Mountain. Um, but then we had kind of our hiatus, and now I've got some other ideas about um, other endings. Um, but it could end on Black Virgin Mountain. So Jason mm -hmm. uh, has lost internet. So, internet drop. So I can certainly prep for going to the mountain, and I will. Uh, Try to do a better job of throwing some GM notes and, and pulling it together so you guys can mull on this a little bit more. I think probably the big thing that, the, that your characters would be putting together right now is um, clearly majestic in the form of Oliver West. Uh, and or the DM regime are trying to get the three pieces of the dragon heart. Um, I mean, that, I think that would be a fairly obvious conclusion for your characters at this point in time. The question is, is the dragon heart connected to the Jin? I think there's evidence that would certainly suggest that it could be. Jason's back. Jason, can you hear us? Probably some Jin artifact. Uh, yeah, I certainly think that that is a reasonable hypothesis that the that there may be a connection between the Dragon Heart and the Jin, um, and you know what that means. And then potentially the other question is this additional information about the Kunyuin. And how they're connected with, however they how they might be connected with Chinese organized crime, um, 
is, is a new wrinkle in the equation. And then of course you have the whole backdrop of, uh, there clearly is a move to out DM by the US government uh, that at this point appears to be solely for mundane reasons. Um, so going to the mountain is a very reasonable course of action at this point in time. Could be very dangerous. I kind of hinted in the notes that, um, and, and I'll let you guys, if you, if you mull on this and decide that you want to actually get some more info from Lucas, we can either do it, you know, in our Google Doc, you know, or through uh, Discord in advance. Um, you know, just the four of you going up to the mountain. You know, there's probably some risk associated with that. Um, uh, so you potentially might want to be thinking about, you know, could you use bureaucracy or network or other resources to give you some leverage or advantages in those situations? Um, you know, how do you want to approach going to the mountain? Um, you know, you're going to go Rambo style, all geared up to you know, take names and kick ass. Are you going to go up there and try to make friends and talk to people? Uh, all fair things for you to consider. Uh, and again, in the back of your mind, um, you know, DM days appear to be numbered now. Uh, what we don't know at this point is does that have any intersection with the unnatural stuff that you're investigating. So questions before we call it a night? Oh, I don't think so. No. I mean, okay. we don't want to be too prepared. <laughs> That's no fun. Well, we know how this ends, correct? I'm going to fix you on the same page. Yeah. Good chance your characters are going to be dead or insane. Right, um, right. Sure. But isn't Kai isn't that all how all Cthulhu based games end? But uh, uh but DM is is uh is peacefully uh ousted and Vietnam Vietnam uh, prospers as a country, right? That's what happens next. Yeah. yeah. Well, clearly that's how that ends, but yeah. This this role playing game, you know, again, Thai, my understanding is that Everyone understands when they play this kind of game that their character is going to die or go insane. Is the is the default assumption? Am I am I missing my genre? I, mean, I think that's the assumption. I think you might be surprised at how often that doesn't happen. <laughs> well, I mean, dead or insane. Yeah, I'm prepared for it. Yeah. Well, you know, and it is interesting, Ty, because I I do want to pick your brain. This will probably be roundtable stuff. Uh huh. You know, because I don't have a big background in Cthulhu gaming. Um, so that's certainly, you know, the, the received wisdom when you read rule books and all that, that, you know, it's brim and, you know, particularly with the Delta Green subset that, you know, you're going to lose. I mean, there's no winning here. It's just, you know, how, you know, what terms you go out on. But I, then I wonder that, cause that's kind of contrary to how most role-playing goes, most role-playing games at least want to give the characters that you to win this. You, know, you can be a hero. So, in your experience, our natural role play habit to let the characters win and be heroes and survive trump the this is how Cthulhu games are supposed to be played. 
Uh, a good question. Yeah, I I don't like I I think with my my initial reaction is I think everybody kind of wants different things could could potentially want different things going into a game, right? And the way that I pl would play Cthulhu may be different than the way that somebody else would play Cthulhu. Um, and you know, you could say the same thing about OSE or any game. Um, right. So if if you you know if if you are willing to to go into it with the idea that here's what I want to get out of it, and that's different than playing. But you know, but there are people who play Call of Cthulhu and other you know games in the genre that want to play it like they play. They they do want to win, and uh, you know, I like to see messed up stuff happen. <laughs> okay. Um, so just kind of, I think it just kind of depends. All right. Uh, well, that was helpful. So let's do this. Any other thoughts, questions, comments? Sounds like we're going to the mountain. Uh, you know, but if anybody wants any additional information, again, we can always talk about it in Discord. I guess we should figure out. Did I snag one more date, or is this our last? Book to date. I thought you had snapped one more. That I'm showing more. Monday the 30th. Yeah. Yep. Monday the 30th. Okay. Okay. That's you guys may. You guys. Yeah, it's two weeks from today. You guys may end it. I'm not. I'm not promising you're gonna end it, but it's possible. So. Um, but I'm also fine if you guys are enjoying doing this just letting it flow and when it ends it ends so I will let you guys tell me your preferences alright I'm going to get Craig out of here I can't help it if I cry.